Woods is Chelsea Sodaro, and she is coming home to be your brand new champion. Debut performance, incredible Chelsea Sodaro. I'm Chelsea Sodaro. This is The Greg Bennett Show. Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show, presented by Any Question. I'm your host, Greg Bennett, and I have just finished one of the most delightful conversations I think I've ever had on The Greg Bennett Show. I came in thinking, I got to talk to Chelsea Sodaro, you know, the Ironman world champion. We have met before. We've had some nice conversations, but I just left this one thinking, wow, what just a remarkable human being. She knows who she is. She knows what she, she knows what she wants, and you know she's doing everything she can to control her life. Which, you know, being a mother of an 18-month-old, training full-time for Ironman, having a husband that works full-time with the fire department and has unusual schedules there, and just putting all that all together. There's just so much in this one. And and Chelsea's just so authentic and so vulnerable. She shares her journey leading into Kona Ironman this last couple of years and what it's taken with, you know, the family side and the help and everything else and and the ups and downs of being a professional and the self-doubt that creeps in. But it's just truly one of the epic conversations that I had uh, to the point that I really would love to have her come back on in a couple of months because we didn't get much time to actually rewind the clock and truly get to know everything about Chelsea and, the, and how she got to where she is today. We spent a lot of time just look, really looking at this last two years only and, and then obviously winning the Ironman World Championships. But just a really wonderful human being that, that her performance in Kona was one of the most remarkable performances we've ever seen. So it was really great to celebrate with her on this episode. A little bit of housekeeping before we go on. Thank you again for all for listening. Firstly, I, I truly appreciate that and, and any feedback you have for me is always appreciated. You can find Chelsea on any question. She's uh, answered about 70 questions on there, but she can go over there and, and answer a whole bunch more questions. So if you want to go to any question, you can. Right now we have a promotion. Go to anyquestion.com forward slash podcast and it's free entirely for the next three months. So you can go and check out all the other channels and all the other experts we have but both Chelsea and her coach Dan Plews are both on the on the platforms you can go over and ask some questions so go to anyquestion.com forward slash podcast all right I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did I truly did I couldn't believe one hour which is already up because Chelsea Sodaro really is amazing so big shout out to Chelsea for coming on only eight days after winning her race she hasn't had any time to catch up with family and friends but she came on my show so I truly appreciate her for that And for everybody else, remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. All right. Today, I am joined by the current Ironman world champion. Eight days ago, she took the world by storm. She was under the radar, but as the race progressed, she started to come to the forefront. And by the time the marathon started, her name just started rising to the top and all of us were talking about her. But no one wins on debut, right? Wrong. On her second ever Ironman, she came to Kona and demonstrated a performance with no weaknesses and showed weapons across the board, especially her run, to win in a time of 8 hours and 33 minutes, the second fastest ever. And a 251 marathon off a 442 bike and a 54-minute swim. It's just absolutely incredible. Add to this... 
The fact that she gave birth to her daughter 18 months ago and it makes this story even more remarkable. She's one of my all-time favourite experts on the Any Question app and I've enjoyed getting to know her these past 18 months. So it's just an absolute privilege and honour to be able to sit and chat with her now. So welcome and thanks for joining me on The Greg Bennett Show, Chelsea Sodaro. How are you? I'm good, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's such a pleasure. No, it's such a pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of your podcast and everything what you're doing. So yeah, excited to chat today. Oh my goodness. Has it settled down at all? I mean, you know, you still on cloud nine. Have you had a chance to take a deep breath yet? You know, the first time that I really had a chance to like have a moment was last night with my husband. We were just sitting in bed and yeah, we just kind of looked at each other and said, I can't. I can't believe that happened. So, yeah, it's exciting. I think, you know, there was a lot of buzz when I was in, when I was still in Kona, which was so cool, but um mm. now it's really special just to like share it with the people who were there kind of every day mm-hmm. getting me to the start and finish line. Yeah, cuz the road is never easy, is it? There's ups and downs, there's hurdles, there's anxiety, there's questioning, you know, am I doing the right thing? Can I do it? And all of that. And and it's the relationships and the people close to you that that help keep you on track. Um, I even felt a little guilty, I'm not going to lie, asking you to come onto the show as quickly <laughs> as I did and almost abusing our friendship, but I just had to, and I and uh, I truly appreciate you. You know, you know, this is a Friday after you, you only got back. I think yesterday um, from Kona, and and so for you to be able to sit and chat with me, I just truly appreciate for that, and um, just massive congrats. I don't even think I've said that to you properly yet. But <laughs> massive congratulations. Um, th- th- this past week since the race, was it? Um, were you prepared for it? Was there any kind of has it been chaotic in terms of media and, and everything else? Yeah, I definitely wasn't. I think I haven't totally wrapped my head around kind of what this means for my family and my career, but there was a lot of excitement in Kona. And, you know, I actually love one of my favorite parts about long course triathlon is the proximity that the professionals have to the amateur athletes. Mm. We're both out there at the same time. They start only a few minutes behind us. So we're all on the course together and there's this real sense of camaraderie. And I just got to sort of relish in that for a few days after, after the race and, and meet a lot of people who, you know, were out on the course with me and, and cheering me on. I can't tell you how many, like do it for sky or do it for the moms. <laughs> I heard when I was running on the queen K back into town, you know, all the amateurs were headed out towards energy lab and I'm running back into town and all of these women are literally stopping during their race to, to cheer me on, which is just so humbling. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was cool just to be with my, my community for a few days over in there in Kona. Yeah. I I love that. What a great story. And it's, uh, there's so much to unpack in that actually. I, I'm curious, how did you find, you know, being that this kind of did thrust you into the limelight a little bit and even as you're walking around and people saying congrats, how do you, how have you found reacting to that? Have you got to the point that you feel comfortable just saying thank you and, or, or is it, does it feel strange? I think I just have so much appreciation and respect for 
all of the athletes that are there. And I feel compelled to really like take a minute to hear about their race performances and Hmm. like ask how, you know, how their time in Kona has been and just like really celebrate everybody that was there because we all like, we all did it. We all did it. I may just, you know, have gotten there the Hmm. fastest on that particular day, but I think it's really important to like take a minute to appreciate people and um, be present with those interactions. Like, of course, this Mm -hmm. is very new to me, but I don't want to, you know, get ahead of myself. This is like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's one of those things where, you, where people keep coming up and saying, well done, and you're like, okay. Uh, and you, you, you're very, um, like you said, you, you respect everybody out there, so you give everybody their time, and I think that's a great champion. So, so good on you. Um, I want, what I'd love to do is kind of just, the first part of this show, I thought we could kind of reflect on your performance in Kona um, and a little bit of the okay. journey kind of to get there and what that was kind of all like. And then the second kind of part of the show, I'd love to sort of just rewind the clock and look at your entire journey, you know, and, and why triathlon and, and everything else. So let, let's kick off by um, sort of looking at Kona Ironman and, and let's just take it back a couple of years because you haven't been in the sport very long. And I had your coach, Dr. Dan Plews on last week and I've never heard him in just such a good place. He was just so happy. I thought, well, that might be an interesting place for us to sort of start with you. You know, you you got into the sport only a couple of years ago. You came from a running background, I believe, and we can go into that a bit more later. But then it was finding the right coach and saying, okay, Kona is something I want to do. Why, why Dan Plews? First of all, I, I decided going in the middle of 2020 during the pandemic that I wanted to make a coaching change. Hmm. I wanted someone with, you know, a real science based approach and someone who was really like committed to my project mm-hmm. of like wanting to contend in Kona. You know, I've trained in Kona. I did a bunch of training camps there with Sarah Piampiano. Mm-hmm. I went and watched the race in 2018 and 2019. And I just, I don't know if you've experienced this, Greg, but like some people, when they get off the plane in Kona, they're just kind of overwhelmed by the heat. Like the moment they step off the plane, they're overwhelmed by the heat and the conditions. Mm-hmm. When I step off the plane in Kona, I'm like, I am home. You know, I just, <laughs> I feel like when I go there, I'm on a business trip but I also just love it. Like, I feel like I was made to train there and compete there. So I, I felt that I had the potential to do really well. I was like quite diligent about my research and, and finding a coach that could help me, Mm -hmm. help me get there because I, you know, had only raised 70.3s at that point. I'm coming from a middle distance running background, ITU background. And I, I knew that I needed like, um, some serious guidance. Mm, so do it, do it right. Do it right. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. It. Yeah. And I've had so many amazing coaches, um, throughout my career, but I just felt like I, I need to be really smart about this decision because making coaching changes, is hard. Mm-hmm. It's like, takes a while to adapt to their system. And I think I was 31 at the time and I felt like, okay, I have maybe a good five or six years left doing this if I play my cards right. But I want to like find someone who I feel like could 
guide the rest of my career. Mm. And I was connected through to Dan through a couple, a couple of people actually connected me to Dan, but, um, one person in particular I'll mention is Will Clark, who was Mm -hmm. my teammate for team BMC. And I actually called Will because we're good friends and, I wanted to ask his advice. I, I wanted to talk to him about coaching as well. Cause you know, he's, he's recently gotten into coaching, he coached the couple of pros and is doing really well. But, um, I was telling him what I wanted and what I was looking for. And he said, Chelsea, you, you have got to talk to Dan Plews. He, mm. I think that it might be just a really good fit. So I get connected to Dan and immediately during that first conversation, I feel like we talked for an hour and, he was so present with me and so excited and um you could just tell that he he was like into my project mm-hmm. and and you know he's the amateur course record holder <laughs> in Kona himself and he kind of said look i i know what you need to do to win there because i went about the same time as Daniela rifted when she won in 2018 with the women's course record so like I think I can, I think we could figure this out. Like I have the, like, I think I know the formula, you know, um, <laughs> I, I can't that. guarantee, I can't I guarantee it. that, no. you know, you'll be able to do that, yeah, but, but like I, I have a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I have a good idea of, yeah. um, <laughs> of what, you know, what you need to do. Yeah. Stay by my side. Just stay by my <laughs> side and all my numbers just stay there. <laughs> right. Right. And, and Dan, I think, as you know, he has this kind of, um, work backwards approach where mm. we have the big goal in mind and he, he plans backwards from that. Mm-hmm. So it's like very intentional mm. training, but anyway, so like, I'm really excited when I get off this, this call with Dan, I'm talking to a few other coaches and a couple other like very high profile coaches. And, um, ultimately I just felt like, like Dan is the one who, who just, I feel like would be in this with me the most, you know, like Mm -hmm. I, I think I, I, I am currently, but I think even then I was like his only professional female. He has a small stable Mm -hmm. of athletes. Like he doesn't have, you know, 30 athletes that he coaches. He's really, um, like selective about who he takes on. And and there's just a few of us like me, I think his pros now are me, Javi, Jan Van Berkel and Pablo de Pena. So it's a, you know, it's a small stable and, um, and, and that was appealing to me, but, mm-hmm. um, so I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Dan, super excited. And then I find out that I'm pregnant. <laughs> I find out that I'm pregnant <laughs> <laughs> and, and I call Dan and I'm like, First of all, I'm only six weeks, you know, like you don't often tell people that early that, <laughs> no, that you're expecting, no, right? No. Yeah. So, and first of all, like this is something that my husband and I had planned, like we thought the pandemic would be, mm-hmm. you know, a good time to start our family. But also like, you don't know, we, I like gave my husband a three month window. Maybe this is TMI. I was like, baby, we've got three months here. It's typical athlete. This is not too much info. This is how athletes work. Like, we got windows, we got push phases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... Dude, I like, I'm okay missing 2020. Um, there's not a whole lot of racing going on, but I, I cannot miss 2021. So if you know, we're not pregnant by August, this is done deal. And we'll reevaluate a few years. No pressure. Oh man. I know. Well, he's a pretty clutch guy, but, um, (laughs) yeah. So, (laughs) so we get pregnant. I'm actually totally freaking out. Like I'm excited, but also freaking out because Mm. as I'm sure, you know, um, 
the support for women who are pregnant and their career is quite unpredictable. Like you don't know how sponsors are going to respond. You don't know how, yeah. Anyway, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. So, so I decide like to be really honest with Dan and I call him up and I say, Hey Dan, I am, I would just be so honored to work with you. I think it would be a great fit. I think we could do some really amazing things together. However, I have a little news. I have a little news for you. I'm actually six weeks pregnant and I would totally understand if you don't want to take me on. Like, this is not what we had originally discussed Mm. and, you know, feel free to think about it. Let me know. No hard feelings. And immediately he says, oh my goodness, Chelsea, that is the best news. I am so happy for you. What can I do to support you? And I think, I think it was really from that moment on that I just, it just instilled so much trust and so much belief and things haven't been smooth, you know, the whole time since Dan and I have started working together. Like we have had our moments and our challenges and, um, our ups and downs, but I just go back to that moment and he really cares about people. Like mm-hmm. I think from that, you know, outside people, I mean, people think he's just this kind of like super smart scientist, which he is, but to me, he's, he's incredibly kind and thoughtful and, um, you know, Dan and his wife have just become like very like dear friends of mine and very important people in my life. And, and that's what makes our partnership so special. He is, he is like the brains behind the operation as far as programming and planning my training, but it's really our, you know, ability to communicate with each other. And I think the trust that we have in each other, that that's like where the magic happens. Mm, It's a strong relationship. Um, you know, and, and just a big shout out to Dan as you are, like he is a man that has his values in the right place. You know, he, he's somebody that truly understands family. He understands health and then he understands his business. And he, and he has those prioritized in a way that, you know, I truly respect him and trust him just like you do. And I just think he's a, he's an awesome operator. And, and it's funny because I think I had him on the podcast Maybe, maybe when you guys first started working together, or as you know, middle of 2020, and um, and it was very soon after he started saying, "Greg, I'm coaching, I'm t- coaching this woman, Chelsea Sedaro. You know, watch out for her. You got to have her on your podcast." He's been he's been celebrating you since the moment he started working with it, to me personally, and and I was like, "Oh, okay." So then, you know, you and I fast forward a little bit. We actually bump into each other in in Boulder by the pool there. And I was like, Chelsea, you know, we had a quick chat and you were already training and that was in 2021 last year. And um, so for me, I've been watching more from a distance, this relationship blossom and the two of you work together and it hasn't all been smoothing. I mean, you can look at the, the smooth, you can look at the results and some of the tougher times that you've had, but it has been a really, really wonderful relationship. But okay. So you start working together, 2020, no racing. W- when did you have Sky, Skylar? Uh, she was born March 16th of 2021. 2021. That's right. And so your first race back was at 70.3 Boulder, I believe, which was like in a couple, only a couple of months later, right? It was. Yes. Yeah. I had this big goal of qualifying for the Collins Cup. That's right. And uh, it's funny because, you know, the PTO did this little like docu-series on my pregnancy and return to racing. Mm. And there, there's this video where I'm walking the dog. I'm 
literally nine months pregnant. I'm massive. And I'm saying, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you know, if she's going to come on time, I'm going to take a couple weeks to chill then I'll start training. And then, you know, I'll race. Oh, at three yeah, months. Yeah, like, no I'll, idea. I'll just, it'll, be fine. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. And then I'll qualify. For, I have four months to train and then I'll race and I'll qualify for the Collins cup. It'll yeah. be It'll be great. Yeah, yeah. And I just laugh in retrospect. You know, I oh. had no idea yeah. that I was, you know, what Steve and I were taking on. I don't think any, you know, like you can get all the advice from all the people and read oh. all of the parenting books, yeah. but until you're really in it, you do not know what having a newborn is like. Mm-mm-mm-mm. It turns you around. And not only that, it's not just having this extra person in your life that you need to keep alive and, and fit, but the hormones, you know, your mums go through. It's quite... It's quite amazing. It's not just a physical change in terms of, you know, feeling bigger or not feeling quite in shape. It's like the hormones and the way you feel with the oxytocin racing through the body and everything else that you don't feel like yourself, right? No, it takes a really long time. And and even now I want to be really transparent and saying like, this has certainly been a really successful journey and I'm, I'm proud, but I still, I'm still dealing with a lot of the things Mm. that new moms deal with. Like I, I called my pelvic PT two weeks before Kona saying like, I'm like a little bit uncomfortable. Like I had some pubic symphysis issues. I was like, I'm kind of feeling those again. I'm like starting to pee my pants again a little bit when I run. And, you know, I have really struggled with postpartum anxiety since I had my daughter. It's been pretty, it's been really challenging and Mm. unexpected because you think that, this is the happiest time and happiest part of your the best part of your life. And you should just be so filled with joy. And, you know, I was, and I am, but I also, um, I also have these kind of mental demons that I wasn't expecting. Mm. I, I think you touched on something there in terms of postpartum, that it, it is so real and we don't give it enough. The way I look at it is a woman goes through the 40 weeks and there's not much sleep in that 40 weeks either. And some, for some women, the pregnancy in itself is brutal. Then you have the baby and it's not like a recovery phase. Now, now lack of sleep, hormones, body adjustments, physicality, everything changes and it's massive and there's no recovery phase built in. It's not like sport where you go, okay, I've got a good push phase here for eight weeks and I'm going to have that race and that race and then I've got a nice little recovery phase. So there's never a recovery phase. And so you're just in this constant process of, like you said, that, that anxiety and that being on and, and sleep deprived. And this is where you have to tell me, how are you able to do all that and still be able to get your training in and find some time for recovery. That's, I think I'm lost for words. I don't know how you've done it because <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. Well, thank you. Like I, one thing that I'm afraid of is that I am not always setting the best example for other women. I actually don't think that I would do it in the same way again. I really didn't have any pressure from my sponsors to rush back to racing. They told me to take my time and I just had this kind of intrinsic fire mm. to get back because I think I wanted to prove to myself that I I could still be good and that I still had it. And I think on one hand, you know, I feel like myself when I'm training, competing, but I think there was also a little bit of, you know, ego in there mm. where I just didn't want my life to totally change. I think a lot of parents experience that. You feel like, okay, I have a baby now, but I can still do all the things that I used to. Hmm. I mean, the only way this is possible is with 
an incredible amount of support. Mm -hmm. You know, my husband, he's like, he is a true Mm co-parent. There's no way, like I wouldn't be doing triathlon without him, but we are really, this is like our family business and we're really, we are really in it together. And then uh, my mom has been amazing with taking care of my daughter. We actually live down the street from my parents Mm -hmm. for the first five or six months of Sky's life. And my mom has come to almost every training camp with me. She travels with me. She's just mother that I want to be. Like she is my North star. Mm. And so to have someone like her, who's so selfless and willing to support me and Sky has just been, I mean, it's, it's literally the only way. And then my dad, actually, he helps me with my training when he can. Um, he like did all of my SAG work for my build to Kona. So I have, you know, I don't have like a massive, like this massive, um, flashy staff of people who are, mm. who are like working for me, but my family has just been so on board with this, this whole journey and, and yeah, they're there for, for us. You said, um, you're not sure you would do it the same again. How, how would you do it differently if you, if you were to do it again? I think I would best let things unfold a bit more organically and I'm a very goal-driven person. And so, like I said, it makes me feel alive when I have first few weeks and months of your child's life are so precious Mm -hmm. and appreciate that as much as I would have liked to. I think that's wise words for all of us as parents, by the way. I don't don't think... uh, any of us ever feel like we're being perfect parents. And I, 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 you keep getting reminded, you know, you only have your kids until, you know, for a short space and you've only got them between, you know, those years up until four are the sort of the most precious years. And you do the best you can, but it's also exhausting and you need to, you still need to prioritize yourself sometimes, you know, and, and you still need to find some time to be able to have some goals and, and do some things for yourself. And one of the things when I look at you is, is, Yes, you've been determined and had goals, but there must be a little bit where it's at least you've gone all in, you've gone with everything you have, and it has paid off to win the world championships 18 months, uh, to be able to celebrate that as a family. Because I don't believe parenting should be just, you know, a mother and a father or two partners or whatever it is. I think it does take a small village to raise kids. No matter what you're doing, it takes extended family, friends, whoever else to help out. And I think you've managed that very, very well. My advice to you would be to say, don't beat yourself up because I think you've done a fantastic job in managing all of that, keeping it within the family and it does take a village. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. I do want to sort of just fast forward a little bit up to Kona. You went and raced Hamburg and came second there with an outstanding performance and it was just only overshadowed by Laura Phillip who laid down an 818, I think, at Hamburg. But still, that was your inaugural, it was your debut, sorry, um, Ironman. Did that leave you feeling confident leading into Kona? Absolutely. I think, you know, I I probably, I got in a good amount of volume before Hamburg, but I missed maybe 50% of my key sessions. I can't tell you how many workouts I dropped out of during that period of time, I, I wasn't really handling the training that well. There were a lot of tears. Dan was very patient with me. Mm. I actually just decided not to do one of my last workouts, mm. maybe a week out from the race. And that was the first time where he said to me, I really, I am not, I'm not happy. Like you really should have done that one. Um, <laughs> like he's very, he's been very patient with me. Yeah. Um, but th- that like put him over, that put him over the edge. <laughs> it was like, it was like, 
very, it was a very short workout. Anyway, what was it? Can you can you uh, tell us? Sorry, Dan. <laughs> can you tell us what that workout it was? was? Like <laughs> six or eight by a minute hard on the bike, oh, something right, like right, that. Right. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't think. I was like, I don't think that this is. Uh, I don't think this is a good idea for me. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so, so anyway, you know, during that whole build, our goals just kept on getting less and less and less ambitious. And by the time we got to the race, I think we were both sort of just keeping our fingers crossed that it would go okay. That it would go okay. Wow. Um, but I, you know, I had been in Mallorca before Hamburg mm-hmm. for a training camp and, um, Dan's really good friend, Paul Newsom happened to be there mm-hmm. and Paul took the time to like do a session in the pool with me. And we realized that I had been kicking way too much during the swim. Mm. And so when I would start the bike leg in my previous races that season, I was totally gassed. Like I had no power. And, and so we sorted that out a bit. And when I got to Hamburg, I finally felt good when I got on the bike and I was just surprising myself, like riding much better than I had expected. I was seeing these splits and just, you know, you know, when you're seeing positive feedback on your bike computer and, um, on the course, it just makes you like more and more motivated. Mm. And then on the run, I think I went out, uh, I think I went out in 123 through the half marathon and I was feeling, I was actually feeling really good and pretty under control, but my quads shut down with 15 K or so mm. left in the race. And I remember seeing my dad on the course and I was like, dad, my quads are shot. And he just looked me in the eye and he said, no, they're not. Keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> There's sports science for you. That's it. Oh my gosh. You know what? Like I have so many people in my life that, um, yeah, have like a no bullshit approach and keep me quite, keep me quite grounded. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, I, you know, was just bargaining with myself to run five minute K's for the last 10 K of Hamburg. And I thought if I can figure out this muscle damage situation, then, then maybe there's something special in there. Yeah. Amazing performance, by the way, in Hamburg. You, you, Thank you. went an eight thirty six for everybody listening with a fifty four swim, uh, a four thirty five bike, <laughs> unbelievable, and a three hour flat marathon. I mean, it's it really is incredible. And you, you did mention Paul Newsom. Big shout out to Paul. He um he does get swimming, especially when it's specific to triathlon and open water. Looking through your performances and your results before this show, it's incredible to see your swim times suddenly accelerate from Mallorca onwards. You know, in Mallorca, I think you even led the swim out there. And did you lead the swim out in Hamburg as well? I did. And, you know, I... I had a really, I actually had a really solid swim in Miami earlier in the year. I got out of the water with Ashley Gentle and Pamela Oliveira and then out of the water, like with Daniela and Paula, Mm -hmm. um, Findlay and Oceanside. So, you know, it's been there. It's just about putting the pieces together at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. But then you've left Hamburg feeling, okay, if I can just get my quads from shutting down on, you know, 10 miles, 15 K to go to the marathon, I'm, I'm, Hawaii starts to look pretty good. Is that then when it was like, okay, Dan, mate, we're on. Everything's about Hawaii or was it still kind of, okay, I want to do the PTO races. I want to do Collins Cup or did any of those things matter by then? So after Hamburg, I'm super motivated, mm, like mm. very excited. I actually, I get sick on the way back from Hamburg. So I'm in bed for about a week, but I'm still really excited. And I basically say, look, I think that 
we could do something really cool in Kona. I want like that is our focus for the rest of this year. And I think that we were both in agreement on that. Of course, as he'll tell you, um, I had a, I had a good day in Edmonton. That was actually the first time I truly felt like myself after having my daughter, especially on the run. Mm. But then I had just a shocker on at the Collins cup and I'm devastated after I'm devastated afterwards, like questioning all of my life choices. Dan's like, you told me that this was Dan was like, you told me that the focus was supposed to be on Kona. You said that it was all about Kona. Yeah. Yeah. I'm (laughs) holding you to that. So don't you dare get emotional about this, this other one. Oh my gosh. I was a hot disaster. Hmm. You know, that's where it's important to have good mentors and Mm -hmm. good people like guiding the program. At least for me, like I could never coach myself because I would just, yeah. You and me both. Well, I did coach myself, but I had Laura always overseeing everything. So I totally get you. I actually yeah. became somebody and you sound a bit like me. I, I was a very passionate athlete where I'd be like up and down, up and down. It's yeah. like, I'm retiring today to I'm, <laughs> I'm winning a race and I can conquer the world the next day. Right. It's like this. Yes. And with Laura's help over time, that, that super high sort of just became high. And, and then my super low just became a little bit lower. And I started to live yeah. in this little bit of better world of managing my emotions. And that, but that took me a lot of time. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> cause I was like this way retired. I'm awesome. Yeah. I suck. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> I totally hear you. And it's great when you have these people that are in your corner that can be that grounded. Look, that's not what you said. Or, you know, you said Kona. So get back into it. Right. <laughs> Stop your right. nonsense. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I am so similar to you, Greg. I, I think it's a blessing and a curse, right? Like when Absolutely. I am on, I'm on and, yes. um, I feel like, you know, nothing can stop me, but the, you know, the highs and lows are really hard. They're really hard yeah. and they're hard on the people around you. And mm. that's going to continue to be a work in progress for me because I think that when you're able to, yeah, like have, have a little more stability and steadiness. It just is like more conducive to a happy life. <laughs> and happy, you know what? One, one trick I used to do, uh, I, I learned sort of later in my career was if I cross the line and I've had a miserable race, right? I'm, I'm devastated. I'm bummed, you know, um, like your Collins cup, you cross the line rather than putting on a face of misery. I found that the people closest to me would reflect whatever I gave them. Mm. And so quite often when I crossed the line and I was disappointed, well, then they would show disappointment back. Like it it was almost like in this, like, and it became a downward spiral where I learned what I do is I cross the line, put a big smile and go, well, (laughs) gave it my best. And then I go back to my hotel room, (laughs) close the door and I give myself, okay, an hour or two and I put a stop line on it, but I'm allowed to be pissed off because it does matter to me. I just try not to show it as I cross the line. That's my little bit of tip for you. Okay, I like it. (laughs) Because believe it or not, there probably will be other performances that you'll be pissed off about in the next five, 10 years. But I found it very helpful to just go, okay, put a happy face on, enjoy their time for a moment. But I will go back and have my moment to be disappointed. Um, I like that. So then, okay, after Collins Cup, you went and did a camp in Hawaii to prepare. I did. Right? Was that on your own? Did you bring your team? Who who went with that? So when I got home from the Collins Cup, I got the flu. My daughter and I both got the flu. Again? So you got sick sick after Hamburg, sick after... Toddlers, dude. Like, man. I've been sick this entire year. Let's not make a podcast about us just being sick all year, but I know. (laughs) 
Oh, you can even tell now I've got a bit of a sinus. People listening are like, Greg sounds weird. He's like, yeah, I've got a sinus infection. So leave me alone. Anyway, you got sick after the Collins so Cup. We got the flu. Oh. I am devastated. I think my season is over. I called Dan. I'm like, there's no way. Like, there's no way that oh. Hawaii is happening. Like, I, 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 like, I'm devastated. And he and Steve talked. I had planned to go to Kona for two weeks at the beginning of September. Mm. And to like train on the course and start my heat acclimatization. Mm -hmm. And they basically forced me on the plane. (laughs) And the only reason that I got on the plane, Greg, is because Steve told me that if my training didn't come around in a few days, that I could just have a Hawaiian vacation by myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And every young mom out there, every mom out there is going, oh, what a husband. What a husband. That's he your yeah. star. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I think I had just taken my daughter, um, to Europe for three weeks. Yeah. Uh, there was, I had a nanny fly in to meet us there, but I traveled internationally with her oh. by myself and that was kind of a disaster. And I was like burned. I was pretty burned out on. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. It's hard to shout out to the, you know, single parents out there. Oh, I don't know how um, they do it. Big shout out. I don't know how you do it. Big shout out. Yeah. Laura and I always like. How did that, how? Because it's, anyway, go on. Yes, <laughs> sorry, I keep interrupting. Yeah, so I get, <laughs> I get to Kona and my dad comes with me and an amateur guy came out to train with me. His name is Devin Volk, actually. He finished uh, second in Kona in the men's 25 to 29 age group. Oh, whoa, He done, like, had the day of his life. Awesome, yeah. buddy. That's fantastic. Yeah, 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 he crushed. Yeah. So Devin came out and... I like, I have had to apologize to him a few times because I was not my best self during that training camp. Mm. Like I'm still recovering from the flu. He's kicking my ass on our rides. And it wasn't until the last couple of days at the end of this two weeks that I started to come around and I had this big tempo run in the Queen K and I crushed my tempo run Mm. and I don't, I don't like doing tempo runs. And I thought I have, I have something here, you know, I can feel like I could, I might be able to have a good day. Wow. And then I came back to Davis where my parents live yeah. because it's hot here and I have great childcare with yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. So I came here. Yeah. I came here for a couple of weeks to do my last prep and Dan kept on giving me these workouts that I didn't think I could do. And I hit every single one of them and just got so much positive momentum. Oh, that's fantastic. And during yeah. this whole time, I remember, you know, having a conversation with you, you and you and Steve and the family, you relocated to, to Reno. Is that where you ended up? Or- we did. Yes. Steve, my husband is a firefighter and yeah. he got hired um, at the Reno fire department at the end of 2021. So we moved yeah. up there in November of last year and we have an interesting schedule. He He's on for two days and then he's off for four days. So when he's working, he's gone. Like yeah. I'm solo momming and, and we're working on finding a good like a little better childcare to help me out on those particular days. But when he's off, he's off for four days in a row. And so he can, I mean, he's like a full-time dad then, um, and supports my training. So, you know, we're figuring out this new, this new rhythm of life, but when he is home, he's just like, that's great. Does, does Dan plan your training around the four days off? Like the four days, two days, is it that kind of thing? Are you guys able to structure a training plan around that? We actually haven't done that. I've thought about how we could maybe do that in the future, but it's it's like tricky when you're training as much as I do. Yeah, you know, I don't really take days off, and um, even on those 
on those like days I, I'm doing something. So I like to have full-time childcare on those days yeah. that Steve is gone, especially so that I can, I can recover because yeah. you know, it's, you do the training, right. But if you can't take a break and turn off your mind and body, like oh. after, after you do the training, you don't adapt. The amount of people that are probably having conversations after watching you do what you did in Hawaii, cause you didn't just win, you you did a remarkable performance for the ages. It really was. And, you know, Laura and I have sat back going, she's got a world title in time management and managing a family. Like that, to be able to do what you've done with Skylar and Steve's full-time work and everything else, there's a lot there to unpack. You know what I mean? It's not just ticking the boxes, getting the training done. You know, you don't have a full-time living nanny. You, you're managing a lot. You know, I, if I was you, I would have just had the, the Hawaii vacation that Steve offered you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. It's really, it's been really, really hard. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to like, no. yeah, suss over that, but it's been really hard and I have wanted to quit so many times. Like I, I just am grateful that Steve kind of has encouraged me to keep on going and we invest, like we've really invested in this journey and, you know, I took a full-time nanny with me to Spain so I could go train with Dan and race the Collins Cup. And, you know, it's like those kind of decisions where you're like, oh, that's really scary and expensive. But yeah, yeah. but it's part of the cost of doing business for me mm. at this stage. Yeah, it is. And, but, you know, when the return on investment works, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm sitting here just going, okay, sponsors of the world, <laughs> this is the person, please come over to this person. The story is remarkable. You know, your performance is outstanding. I, I, the way you speak and you share your journey is, is about as authentic and, and vulnerable as anybody could be. And I think that's where the empowerment comes from for people listening to your story um, that, hey, this isn't easy. It has taken a lot and it's taken a lot of people around me. I think your family values and, and the way you've given your shout out to, to Steve and your mom and dad and everybody around you. I think that's really awesome for me. That's, that's what gives me the goosebumps, but let's go, let's move into sort of race week. Did you have a lot on your plate race week or was it, you were pretty under the radar, a bit low key. What was that like? Yeah. The great part about no one talking about you or your name not coming up in any of the pre-race predictions is that you don't get asked to do interviews. You don't get invited to the press conference. So I think I had, I don't know, maybe like <laughs> I had breakfast with Bob. I think that's kind of it, mm -hmm. which is chill. You know, it's 15 minutes of talking triathlon. Other than that, I didn't, yeah, I really didn't have any sort of media obligations, which might be a little trickier next year. I'm going to have to I have to figure that one out, but it was great. You know, I found at the Collins Cup, you know, we do a lot of media, which is incredible. Like what, what the organization is doing for the sport is, mm -hmm. is, is really special and important, but I find, I don't really like to talk about myself, especially yeah. before racing. It's, it's hard and it's kind of draining. And so I think that this time around, it was really great for me just to be able to focus on myself with my family we actually made the rookie mistake of booking an airbnb without air conditioning <laughs> in kona so that was like my main stress <laughs> my main stress of the week and we ended up getting a hotel room away from my family for mm -hmm. the few days leading into the big day which may be mm -hmm. also my new winning formula yeah. Yeah. is to get away from my family 
for a few days so I can just be chill. I love that. Uh, <laughs> but it's true. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty mellow. It was great. I, I, I think you, you've surrounded yourself with strong people, whether it be Steve or Dan, or um, even if you look at your training group with Javier Gomez and his 10 world titles and the guys been around. And, and I think the more you lean on them as you, you know, get ready for events next year, you're always going to have more on your plate at every event and uh, very much at Kona next year. But I think managing that week into it and just controlling what you can control. And um, it sounds like, you know, to me, you'll be, you're very grounded. So as much as it feels great to get all the pats on the back, I also feel like you're going to be fairly grounded. And, um, and that's the most important thing when you go into these big, big races is just going, okay, I'm just me again, turn up, swim, bike, run. I know how to do it. But on race morning, then you wake up, the body feels good and and you're pretty excited about the day. Yeah, the body feels good, but I had been I had been really nervous leading into race week, even though it was fairly chill from a scheduling standpoint. I think I knew that I was either going to have an epic day or I was going to have a shocker of a day because I was like, I couldn't digest my food, I'm like not eating well. I'm very stressed out. I'm very like short with my family. Mm. And we left probably a few minutes too late to walk to the start. So I'm already sweating buckets. <laughs> yeah, I know. I told Dan this yesterday and he, he just shook his head, but, um, yeah, we should have left probably 30 minutes before we did from our hotel. I didn't anticipate it being so busy and like hard to navigate to get to body marking. Um, so I'm a little bit frantic and stressed out, but as soon as I, um, got in the water, I just felt this overwhelming sense of peace Mm. and, I've been fortunate enough to know, get to know a lot of the photographers that work in our sport. They're just like such incredible, incredible mm. people. And whenever I go to these races now, they're all there. And I get, I feel like I'm seeing my friends and I, I'm pretty sure it was Nils mm. Nilsson who was taking photos of the pro women as we were like just entering the water near mm-hmm. the pier there. And I just like, you know, gave him a little side hug and, yeah, it just felt like I think that attitude that I had there was was really special. You know, it's it's funny because we swam out to the the start and I've never done this race before, so I didn't kind of realize what it would be like and we're just all there treading water for quite a long time and the paddle boarders are trying to keep us behind the line and <laughs> I guess the cannon misfired <laughs> and when it finally did fire there's a paddle boarder right in front of me and I had to like swim around the paddle boarder but I got out I got out really well on the swim I'm not the best swimmer in the field but I like I think I'm a power athlete in some ways because of my middle distance background and I like I get out quite well the first hundred meters and I find myself in a group with like Haley Chura is leading the group so that's already a good sign for me and Lisa Norton is there Sarah True is there people who you know are very good swimmers Mm -hmm. and I think okay this is good Chelsea just you know you just got to stay with this group and I'm on Sarah's feet I'm feeling quite relaxed and I look over I breathe to my right and look out you know, to the ocean and there's a rainbow. (laughs) I know. And I'm so, I'm just kind of telling myself, Chelsea, like, just pretend that you're 
doing a fun open water swim with your girlfriends. Oh, I love that. I love that yeah. mentality. No, I've used that so many times. I'm like, yeah. just pretend you're just hanging out with your mates and this is a training. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. Totally. Mm. And I, you know, I got Ashley gentle drop me going around a buoy at the Collins yeah. cup. And so I was really prepared for the turnaround. I thought, Chelsea, you need to be on here. You need to stay on the feet. You need to be prepared for this thing to ramp up. I just was right where I needed to be. And I got to go along for the ride for That's the whole awesome. swim. Yeah. It's great. I love I love that finding the rainbow, but then saying to yourself, this is a game, right? I'm playing with my mates and, and that's really cool because I've used that one so many times to just calm myself down and just enjoy the, the moment and don't make it such a big deal. It's just like, totally. yeah, I'm swimming, biking and running with my mates. And so you jump onto the bike. I mean, the bike performance was really, really good. <laughs> it was an outstanding ride. Um did you jump on and, you know, did you have legs? You mentioned earlier in the show that, you know, that was something that you'd been working on to find your legs after the swim. No, I felt the worst, the <laughs> most stressful part of, I did a really good job with my two beat kick, Paul Newsom, yeah, yeah. during the swim in Kona. However, I don't know what happened during transition. I guess I didn't have that great of a transition because th- those women that I was with had already got me a little bit mm. um, once we got on the bike. And that first town loop in Kona was the most stressful part of my race. My legs didn't feel good. I'm like drilling it, trying to catch the group. My heart rate is super spiked. And I'm kind of thinking this might not be my day today. It's the only time during the race that I contemplated dropping out actually. Wow. And so when did you start to feel good then after you got out onto the Queen K and got out of town, you start to find a rhythm or how long did that take? Yeah, I caught the, that, that group with Lisa and Sky Mensch and Jocelyn McCauley. By the way, you're riding pretty well to catch that caliber of group too, right? I mean, <laughs> we're talking yeah. about Lisa Norton for sure, you know, with her time trialing ability and everything else. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, I know. She's incredible. Um, I, yeah, I, so I caught them a few K, a few K after we got onto the queen K and just settled in and, and was just, was happy to be riding with people. Cause when I did Hamburg, I was by myself for the whole, the whole bike, the yeah. whole race really. Yeah. Um, and I was really stressed about the draft zone. As we saw, like there were a ton of penalties. Yeah, what happened to Lisa? How did she get one? I actually have no idea because she yeah. was riding ahead of me. So I didn't even notice yeah, her yeah. getting a penalty. I don't know when that happened. Um, but I was like trying to stay a few meters like Extra. out of the draft zone mm. behind the person in front of me. And I'm like, you know, you just have to be so on top of that. And the problem races. with that though, if you leave too much, then the person overtakes you, they slot in because they've got to only can slot in if there's a room more than 12 meters, right? So exactly. it's like playing this game of going, I got to keep it at 15, but if I go to 18 meters, people are going to be slotting in and suddenly I'm, you know, 20 people back. And it's like, exactly. Ah, yeah, I get yeah. it. Exactly. So that, that made me nervous, but also I'm getting a lot of confidence that I'm still here with these women and still feeling good. I, I just kind of was waiting for the minute that it got really hard or somebody made a big move and, as we were climbing Javi, when we were actually getting to the close, close to the top of, you know, that climb, uh, Lisa and Jocelyn put in a big push and they gapped Sky. Mm. and I did not want to get dropped. So I made a big move to get around Sky. I'm trying to catch Lisa and Jocelyn, but I can't, ca- I'm not catching them. And we do the turnaround and Sky's with me and she says, I think they both have penalties. Mm. And 
she turned out to be right because when we, yeah, when we passed them, they're both sitting in the penalty tent and it's just me and Sky going down Javi together. That's pretty cool that it was you and Sky. Yeah. I love that it was you and Sky too, two Americans and you, you, you both sort of there and thereabouts, you know, you're still very much in the thick of it. We have a lot of, I think there's a lot of mutual respect there. Yeah. I'm mm. like very fond of Sky and she's such a good athlete, but I was an, an amazing cyclist. So yeah. I was excited to, you know, work with her and I had done a lot of work on Javi. Dan had me ride it a bunch of times when I was out for training camp. And so I had gotten quite familiar with that descent and how you ride in the crosswinds when you're going downhill. And I could tell she was a bit nervous doing that. So I made the pass and just focused on riding my rhythm and my power. And as we're, you know, you get to the bottom of that climb, you take a left to ride back up to the highway. Mm. And just as we're about to get to the highway with a, we're at 130 K and Daniela riff comes up and Mm. passes me. Mm. And I think two things, I think, wow, like it took her a long time to get here. She must've worked like she must've had to work really hard. Mm. And two, I think all if I can just stay with her riding my rhythm, then great. But that's her game is not really my game to play. Mm-hmm. And I was really not affected emotionally mm-hmm. by seeing her, which surprised me. Mm-hmm. You're really in your moment and focused on, on you and what you could yeah. do. And, and you had your rhythm and you had exactly the race plan that you'd wanted and practiced without getting, which by the way, for emotional people, is always a, a highlight because it's like, wow, I actually didn't get too emotional about it, you know? Totally, yeah. And so how absolutely. did that go then? I mean, the next 50K coming in, back into town, it seemed to me like you just kept your pace with everybody. Like everybody was sort of just riding the same pace without anybody really making any major inroads, you know? Everybody was in that low 240s, except Daniela did end up riding a, uh, sorry, 240, 440, uh, riding a 436, I think in the end, but she was further behind out of the swim. Yeah. Yeah. Next level, right? She's just, she's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So I, maybe with 40K to go in the race, I look back and, and Sky mentioned Jocelyn had been with me and all of a sudden I look back and they're not with me anymore. I'm riding by myself, ah. which also surprised me because I'm just sticking to my plan riding my power, paying attention to my heart rate, taking care of myself. I think that's the big lesson from my race for me, at least, is that I just focused on myself. I just took care of myself. Mm. Like Mm. I didn't play anyone else's game. I took my time through the aid stations, even on the bike. You know, I lost my nutrition halfway through the bike this time, which I also did. Yeah. Which I also did in Hamburg. I need to work on a better system. When you say but, you lost it, you popped the bottle out that had all your fueling in it? or Yeah, I had all of my gels in my aero bottle. And it went flying off the back? And it went flying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so anyway. That's awful. So how did you, yeah, what fueling did you get then? I just started grabbing gels off the course. Yeah, and they were yeah. fine. They worked for and you, it was obviously. Fine. Yeah, 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 it was fine. <laughs> yeah, I've used the gels. I, you know, I have like, I always, so far, I've done this twice, but yeah. I've had a plan B because mm. stuff, we know stuff goes wrong yeah. in long races like this. It never goes perfectly. So I had, a, I had that, that plan B and um, yeah, I, you know, Lisa Norton caught me towards the end of the bike, but again, I just, I wasn't really that affected by it. Mm. I thought she had to work really hard 
to to catch me. So then when, when you did get off the bike and you're starting to hear these time splits, I think it was probably around like, was it four minutes, four and a half minutes or something as you ran out? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of guessing because I'm going back to me just watching it live. I don't yeah. have the numbers in front of me. Was there a moment you started to think, if I have legs, there's possibilities to do something wonderful here? Not really. No. Mm. I, I had a really specific plan with Dan about how I wanted to execute the marathon and I wanted to go out pretty fast the first 10 K, but I didn't, I went out way faster than I was supposed to go out. What were you meant to go out and what did you end up doing? I was meant to go out, I think maybe a little under four minute K's for mm-hmm. the first 10 K around there. Mm-hmm. And at my first K was three thirty-five. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Oops. Oops. I'm feeling Broken. good. It's always like I'm off that bike. Just let me go. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a three thirty-five first K. Okay. So you left everybody. Yeah. That's so great. I wonder, you know what I'd love? Has anybody got the results for both men and women to see who ran the fastest first K off the bike? Because that has to be I I think I might be up there. (laughs) I bet I'm not the fastest, but I think I might be up there. So then you settle down into your 10K pace. What did did you go through 10K in? (laughs) I'm not not sure. I think think around 39 minutes, maybe a little... Maybe a little oh, faster. That's fantastic. Than that. I mean, we haven't yeah. even talked about your running pedigree and your background yet. But <laughs> I don't want to take your whole day up either. You haven't even seen family. And and so then when you got up onto the Queen K and yeah. you, you're running out there. Yeah, at that stage I started to I wanted to settle into my my pace that I thought I could run for the, you know, that I thought I could kind of average. Actually, Dan said it was okay for me for my second 10K to be a little more chill because the Polani Hill is in there. But I'm still, I'm just kind of telling myself to slow down. You know, you're having a good day when you're telling yourself to slow down. And I had talked to a few people who are close to me and they had advised me to take my time during aid stations. And and I had mm. like that, I think I had the advantage of that cushion, that lead that I was building, that I felt like I didn't have to rush through the aid stations. And I, I know that I got maybe a little bit of criticism on the, on the broadcast, but... It's really about staying cool. And I knew that I couldn't, I just couldn't let myself overheat. What did they say on the broadcast? What did they say on the broadcast? I'd missed that. What, what was the criticism that you were running too fast for the first half? I, there was definitely criticism that I was, I went out too fast. And there was, there was also a lot of talk about like me walking mm. through aid stations and that I, yeah, was taking like too much time through the aid stations which is fine, which is fine. But I just felt like I needed to invest in keeping my core temperature down. And I had this cushion of a lead. I'm still running well between the aid stations. The aid stations Mm. are spaced out farther than they usually are. They're usually a mile apart, but now they're a mile and a half apart. And whenever I felt like I was getting a little bit warm, I would just walk through the aid station. You know, you invest an extra five or 10 seconds, right? Over the course, like it's not that much. It's not that much time. And I think it really paid off because I never overheated. And I felt like, hmm. you know, I could really keep my my rhythm up the whole race. That's such a maturity though, also for your first time at Kona to be able to go, you know, it's not that much time and cooling's more important than anything else at this point. Um, and, and knowing that you had a bit of a buffer, but at what point then, you know, you've done the energy lab, you've come back out, the minutes are growing, you know, it's going in the right direction for you. At what point was the very first time you thought I could win this or did you allow yourself to have that thought? I did not allow myself to have that thought. (laughs) Anytime my head would go there, I would just say, Chelsea, 
not, not yet, not yet, not yet. And, and I had two mantras. One of my mantras was stay here, just stay here in this cave that you're running. Mm-hmm. And my second one comes from my daughter. My daughter is at that toddler stage where she's constantly saying no. And she thinks it's so funny. <laughs> and so my dad has been like, they'll be dancing in the living room and he'll be saying, yes, 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 yes. And they'll be just kind of like singing. Yes, yes, yes to each other. And I was just saying, yes, 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 yes. It's kind of like, yes, you're doing it. Yes, you're doing this. And it wasn't, I didn't let myself kind of consider the possibility until I crested Polani. I actually saw Kelly O'Mara right, right near the top of Polani. And she is like losing her mind going so crazy for me. And, and that's when I was like, okay, I think, I think I can finish this thing off. And I actually, <laughs> I actually wanted to, I'm, you know, hurting at this point. It's the end of a marathon. My, I'm tired. Like my legs are shot. I'm really ready to be done. And I wanted to slow down, hmm. but it doesn't feel good. It doesn't always feel good to run slower no, because it can be you're, worse. it can be worse, right? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And your mechanics fall apart. Yeah. You're kind of heavier on your feet. Yeah. So I sort of kept up my pace and actually my last K was like quite fast. <laughs> what was it? What was it? It was under four minutes, I think per K. Wow. Yeah. So I can't, you're... I can't totally remember, but it was something like that because I like, I was, I was also worried too, if I slow down and I change my gait that I could cramp or something weird would happen. Yeah. Like yeah. I just didn't count my chickens before they hatched because you never know like, okay, oh. great. I have a big lead with two K to go, but what if I cramp? What if something happens? Like that could be, that could disappear really quickly. It, it, it's, it's, there's been so many horror stories and some of these Ironmans, you know, we go all the way back to the eighties when people suddenly are breaking down along Alihi and crawling to the finish and everything else. But it's like, yeah, you, you really just need to cross that line. But, but as you ran down Alihi, the crowds cheering, um, it's the first time ever, by the way, that a woman, has had her own finishing line where men haven't come before, you know, because yeah. this is the first time that the women have had their their own day, which is so wonderful. Um, so you're the first one that the crowd have actually seen in person coming down the finishing line. Could you see your family at the finish or was it kind of all a bit of a blur and just what, take me through that moment and, and was it... Was it emotional or were you kind of prepared for it a little bit? I think I'd spent so much of the race telling, like not getting emotional and telling myself that I just needed to focus on, Mm. you know, on where I was at. And, and the only time that I really allowed myself to like soak it in or like get kind of swept away by the moment, it was, you know, that ramp to the finish line, I stopped and I walked up the ramp because I just wanted to give myself like those couple moments to and like really take it all in. Yeah. yeah. And I cross the finish line. And I think I say like, Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. And I see Steve and sky right there. And gosh, like best hug of my life. Oh, I, I, I love, um, Dan mentioned that I don't think Steve had even been given a VIP pass or something. You were running around trying to, so I, I was surprised that he was even allowed in the finish. <laughs> I mean, did he struggle to get in there? I, I haven't asked him about it actually. They, Iron Man allowed us to register, um, a few family members for finish line access. So I'm pretty sure that he was hooked up with the finish okay. line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it was all, yeah. Iron Man took really good care of us. Yeah. So I think that was all 
think that was all set, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad he was there and the sky was there and my parents were there. And, you know, wow. I immediately see Newby Frazier, who is the last American woman to win the race, which is cool. Wow. And, um, you know, Rinnie is there who is, yeah. um, a mentor. She's been a mentor of mine since I, you know, she's like always been available to me for advice, but especially since I got pregnant has been an incredible mentor and, and friend to me. And, you know, I, I got to give her a big hug. So it's, it, it felt like the best possible way to say thank you mm. to the people who have been part of my journey. Oh, I love that. And, and at the, um, at the victory ceremony, was that on Sunday night where you, you yeah. gave a speech? How was that? Yeah, I think it went well. Yeah. I, <laughs> That's I almost said, more nerve-wracking than the gun going off, right? <laughs> I know, it was really nerve-wracking, but I was quite nervous before kind of stepping onto the stage. Yeah. But it, it's like, it's almost like um, performing. I actually, I was a singer when I was in high school and I ah, really, like, I really stage. Yeah. enjoy, like, I, you know, I like performing. And so, you know, you just like take a deep breath and yeah, you become a care, you become a character almost when you're in that sort of environment. But, you know, I said during my speech, Greg, I was like, it's not very often that people, you know, really want to hear what you have to say, but as long as people keep on giving me the mic and I continue to have this platform, it's really important for me to talk about how we're supporting our female athletes and how we're supporting mothers and that there's so much more work that we need to do. That's awesome. You know, there's so much I want to talk to you about. Like, I, I feel like I've just looked at the clock and we've been chatting for a while. Normally on this show, I, I say, hey, I want to rewind the clock. But I, I don't think we've got enough time to really just dive into that. And more, I'm just very conscious of your time. But I am curious to have you back on when things settle down and you're in just, you know, boring winter training or whatever, to come on to just learn more about your past. But I feel like just celebrating this past week and everything that you've put into it is really what I wanted this episode to be about. So I just, you know, I think this is just wonderful. Um, you've been just so great to come on and, and chat to me. Have you had a lot of requests from different people? Cause I can imagine everybody's wanting a piece of Chelsea right now. Is that happening? Yeah. You know, I've had some really fun, I've gotten to do some fun things. I have been getting a fair number of requests, but it's all good. You know, like, mm. It's, it's really fun for me and it's a, it's a privilege. It's, it's a privilege to be able to do this. Like I pinched myself that, that triathlon is my job. Like a few years ago, I mean, yeah. I just it blows me away that somebody pays me to ride a bike. So it's an honor and a privilege and just like grateful to be in this position. It's so funny. We had our uh, any question team day on Wednesday and I, I came into the office cause I fly up to Boston every couple of weeks and Melanie from our team said, Greg, I, I just got an email from Chelsea and she was so <laughs> wrapped. She's like, I didn't expect anything from Dan or Chelsea and you know, cause I've been so busy, but wow, it's so special. So it's like, I know that you've been getting back to everybody. I know that that's a lot and you're doing it in a personal way. You're taking the time, like you mentioned earlier, and everybody loves to be around the person that did something remarkable. We all feel like, oh, you know, I know everybody on the Any Question platform is like, well, isn't it great that she's on our platform? This is so exciting. <laughs> it's so wonderful. And um, everybody's celebrating with you. Um, you're a great ambassador for the sport. For yes, for women, yes, for mums, but also just for the sport as a whole. Having an American win again, finally, after, what is it? Did they say 25 years? How many years is it? 
I think Paula won in, it was 96, I think is when she, okay. she won last. So it's been a while. Yeah. yeah. Many, a long, long time. I hope you've got a good, um, manager agent that's, uh, you know, getting, getting some good endorsements behind you. Cause I, you know, I, I believe you're, you're still very young. I think there's enormous potential going forward, but and that's not to say, not just stand in the, you know, enjoy the present, <laughs> you know, cause you never know what's happening, but enjoy the now, but just Chelsea, this has just been wonderful to have this conversation. Thanks Craig. It's been really fun for me. Yeah. And we have to have you back on because I need to know more about your whole background and rewind <laughs> the clock, but I, I, I don't do, I, I feel like Steve's staring me down. He's in your house <laughs> saying, give me my wife back. I haven't seen her for months. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's a, yeah. He's all right. He's, he's a trooper. All right. Well, thanks again. Um, truly appreciate you. For everybody listening, you can find the, the show notes and timestamps and everything else at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. You can also go to anyquestion.com forward slash podcast. And if you put in that forward slash podcast, you'll get three months free to just come on. And Chelsea has about 70 answers on there already. Go over there and fire us some more questions, follow-up questions. I know I didn't get to everything and I'm sure we can get you back over there to answer a few of those. Chelsea, appreciate you. Thanks a lot for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.